Shalom and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. <laughs> We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. And now for our happy environmental news. So according to only one, only one, <laughs> the sunflower sea star, which I think we have a little bit of an episode on, didn't I you think, pick? Yeah, I think we did them yeah. at one point during our sea stars episode. Yes. Um, they are to gain protection. So they have a, a wasting syndrome linked to the impacts of climate change, devastated sunflower sea stars from 2013 to 2017 killing off more than 90% of them. Oh. Which is heartbreaking. Yeah. I, that's a, like a, a lot. lot. That's a lot of sea stars. So to restore the population and aid in recovery, sunflower sea stars are set to receive federal protection from the US Endangered Species Act. Hey. I love that. Sea stars. Sea stars. Sea stars. Get it, US. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know what else I love? What? Whatever you're about to teach us. Um, I want to teach you about a weird ass plant that likes nuclear waste. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited. I forgot. So it is still um Mayflowers. Yes. Month. So we're choosing aquatic plants rather than how we usually focus on everything animals. Yeah, we're kind of plant some love. We'd love to. Um, so today I chose to research the water wheel plant. That sounds cool. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, water wheel. It must like clean the water, you know, create power or energy. No, this thing is like an underwater Venus flytrap. <gasps> Just pure destruction. Okay. I'm going to look up a picture so I can visualize. It's pretty. With you. It's not going to look terrifying at all. Okay. Um, its good. botanical name is Aldrovanda vesiculosa. Oh, thank you for the accent. You're welcome. <laughs> it just feels like it's it's such a spicy name. It needs like a Latin flair. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, its family is the Drosaraceae. <laughs> <laughs> Less flair. <laughs> so yeah, family name is not as cool. Um, <laughs> its genus dates back 50 million years, and although we know of many species from the fossil record. Um, it's now only one modern species. So they're actually critically endangered. Oh, no. yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. There used to be 19 different species of the plant in the last like 15 million years. But now there's, like I said, only one that's left. They're very similar looking to like aquarium plants. Yeah. You know, like, like just something floaty you'd see in a freshwater aquarium. Are they freshwater? Um, yes. So they like a very specific environment. And I'll get into that in a second because it's kind of a funny one to be like, this is where I thrive. <laughs> um, okay. so maybe we can learn something from them. <laughs> um, but so it's a submerged aquatic plant. It was first discovered by botanists in 1696 and it was studied by the likes of Charles Darwin. Um, it's only, it is the only species to evolved a snap trap carnivory underwater. Oh my God. I love this it's already. the only one. That's, you know, I never thought about it, but it's weird that there aren't more because there's so much flying by, like swimming by. Yeah. Like little organisms and stuff. You'd yeah. think it would be a great evolutionary trait. Apparently it's not because they're critically endangered. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> okay. Um, it takes just 100 milliseconds for the snapping leaves to close up. Uh, upon small unsuc 
unsuspecting aquatic invertebrates, such as mosquito larvae, small insects, fish, and tadpoles. Um, it's one of the fastest movements in the entire plant kingdom. I was going to say the Venus flytrap is like slow. Yeah, you can see it be like, yeah, and then close its mouth. But this one's just like, cool. Got him. Did you watch a video? Uh, no, well, yeah, I looked at a lot of these things are yeah. so weird. I love They're it. so much fun. <laughs> um, so the carnivorous waterwheel plant is an interesting aquatic plant as it also has no root and its stems float in the water. These stems can reach up to 40 centimeters in length. So it's, it's not like rooted, like you would imagine a lot of plants to be. It's just, it's a floaty. Huh. Uh-huh. Uh, the water wheel trap float uses air sacs and have two lobes. These come together to create a snappy trap. Like I said, <laughs> this trap closure can happen as quickly as 10 to 20 milliseconds, making it near impossible for its prey to escape in time. The plant uses fine hair-like triggers on the trap to detect any potential prey as it passes. Uh, once these hairs make contact with an invertebrate, the trap snaps shut, capturing its food. So, like a Venus flytrap on steroids. Yeah, yeah. I love this podcast. <laughs> Where else would we learn about something like this? Definitely not in school. No, not even on like the Discovery Channel, uh -uh. I feel like. Yeah, we got a good podcast. Listen. We have please listen. <laughs> Tell your friends. Right. Uh, okay. So although the water wheel plant uh does need photosynthesis, it needs to eat prey to get enough nutrients to grow. Wow. Yeah. In order to reproduce, the water wheel plant leaves its flowers above the water. So it's really it's a pretty plant. Uh these flowers then open for just a few hours at a time. Once they're fertilized, the flowers then come back beneath the water to allow the seeding process to take place. The seeds are supported by cotyledons, uh, which allow for the seed to get the energy it needs to fruit. So it's pretty much just like it crawls up above the surface, opens its flower, waits for a little honeybee to come by. And then once it's been pollinated, just pulls that flower back down under the water to start that process. That's a fruiting. What a selfish plant, though, like photosynthesis and carnivorous <laughs> and it needs pollen. Yeah. What, so you said fruit? Yeah, it has like these little tiny, like the fruiting bodies on it. Wow. Yeah, it's not like something really edible because. No, but that's, there's like a lot to this thing. Yeah, he's he's pretty, there's a lot of things going on. Huh. Um, For that seed production to take place though, the temperature has to be perfect. Uh, The reproductive process they engage in is called vegetative reproduction. Mm -hmm. This is where the new offshoots of plants are continuously produced every so often, allowing for the species rapid growth. So just kind of flinging new ones everywhere. <laughs> That's how I imagine it. I just, I want to keep asking about the habitat. I'm waiting patiently. You're, I, I'm, like, I'm so happy. I can see you spinning closer and closer to the mic. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So the water wheel plant also has an interesting strategy to deal with uh, weather conditions. For example, it utilizes turions or underground buds that protect itself in the winter weather. They will sink under the water level to the bottom where the temperatures are warmer in the winter, the water wheel plant will grow at a slower rate and produce non-carnivorous leaves until the temperature is more favorable. So it'll just kind of hibernate. It's a plant that also kind of hibernates all the way down. Wow. So it doesn't have a, a root system, but it uses the ground anyway as protection during colder weather. Yep. This is amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so the water wheel plant is actually a global clone with virtually no genetic differentiation between populations on different continents. So now I'll tell you where they are. <laughs> Insert ad. Yeah. 
You all know how much we love sharks. We also love protecting them. And a big way to do that is to make sure we are shopping for shark tooth jewelry responsibly. We've learned a lot about this on our podcast and Silver Finco is the perfect jewelry maker for all your shark jewelry needs and wants. All teeth at Silver Finco are ethically and responsibly sourced by Val, scuba shark tooth finder extraordinaire. Her pieces are absolutely perfect for everyday wear and she has many different styles to choose from. She takes the badassness of a shark tooth and creates beautiful feminine necklaces, bracelets, anklets, rings, and earrings to go with everything and are even fully swimmable so you can add a little extra style to your water woman life. Use code MERMAID10 at silverfinco.squarespace.com and check her out on Instagram at silverfinco to keep in the know about all the newest styles. You can also just follow me because you can be damn sure I'll be wearing her stuff all the time. How long was that back for you? so long. <laughs> okay, so it has one of the largest and most disconnected distribution of any flowering species. Um, growing in more than 40 countries across four continents, from subarctic regions of northern Russia to the southern coast of Australia, and from western Africa to the eastern coast of Australia. Yet, despite this global distribution, the waterwheel plant occupies a very small ecological niche and grows only in shallow and acidic waters of nutrient-poor freshwater swamps. Stop. Yeah. You what? want to say that again? Yeah, please. Shallow and acidic which is just weird waters of nutrient poor freshwater swamps. This is the most interesting plant in the world. They're like, I want my environment to be a nuclear wasteland. And I'm going to get into that because the one place where most of them are is actually a nuclear wasteland. Is it? Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, I have that a little bit further down. So you're going to have to wait some more. And I can't. Listen. Okay, I have a guess, but okay. Uh, the water wheel plant is sensitive and it often is the first species to disappear when the habitat becomes degraded. What? Yeah. Like, does that mean healthy? Because they're right. already. <laughs> Once things get better for everybody else, this one goes away. It's just like, this is too much non-acidic life. I feel too good. I, I feel too good. <laughs> Uh, as a result, this unique species has undergone a catastrophic global decline as humans have systematically degraded and destroyed nearly two-thirds of the world's wetland habitats. Ooh. So that's the biggest issue is our old swampy areas. We've been, you know, here in Hawaii, our mangroves, we cut them all down, filled them with sand, turned it into a public beach. That vibe is happening all across the world. That hurts. Yeah. So the past century has seen the systematic extinction of the waterwheel plant from more than half of the countries it's once occupied and a rapid deterioration in almost all others. For more than 400 populations recorded since the 18th century, now fewer than 50 remain <gasps> in the last 200 years. Oh. Yeah, we went from 400 populations to 50. Are there efforts to repopulate? Well, we'll talk about that because guess where the three quarters of these are? Uh, Russia? That, yeah, <laughs> and they like nuclear disasters. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Why am I blanking on the name of Chernobyl? Chernobyl. That's yeah. it. Okay. So three quarters of these are in the exclusion zone surrounding the Chernobyl nuclear disaster site, with the rest spread thinly across Africa, Australia, and Europe, and isolated from each other by thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of kilometers. The species can be seen as a hairbringer of the perilous state of our world's freshwater ecosystems. Ugh. Bummer. 
Um, but yeah, apparently they're doing great around Chernobyl, but everywhere else is odd. Your cat's licking your TV. <laughs> We're both so distracted. <laughs> oh, it's a tasty TV, buddy. He's, He's got like all the energy since he got his hair cut. He's on one. He feels good. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> great. Okay, so in more positive news, um, ecologists are working hard at conserving the water wheel plant. Um, they're monitoring habitats, reintroducing it into areas where it had be- become extinct, and detailed studies of its ecology and reproductive biology. Good. So there are efforts to put it back where it was before it got too healthy. It, things became too healthy. Well, right. I mean, we are, of course, to it's blame. It's the yeah. loss of the wetlands. It's not necessarily like there is a place for that still non-moving acidic water we just don't like it because we can't drink it we can't do much with it but it is important to a lot of different habitats yeah it's still its own ecosystem exactly um ultimately its future depends on the survival of wetlands like i said complex and sensitive ecosystems that can be affected by even small changes throughout their catchment area wetlands are often linked together by water birds and other animals that disperse plant seeds and spores between them so the degradation of one area can have a significant knock-on effects for distant locations. Mm, that makes sense. And that's that why birds sense. are so important. Yeah. Birds. It's all tied together. Yeah. Uh, without connect, uh, without concerted wetland conservation, individual conservation for species like the water wheel plant becomes little more than band-aids. Because, yeah, you're trying to bring it back into an area where it used to be, but the environment isn't suitable. There's only so much you can do. Right. Um, let's see. For the waterwheel plant, a single isolated population in a remote and untouched corner of the northern Kimberley could re- represent a crucial refuge. I forgot to look up where that is. So if anybody knows <laughs> northern Kimberley, I think it was Scotland for some reason in my brain. I'll look it up while you're talking. Yeah, it could represent a critical refuge. It gives a thin sliver of hope that this remarkable species will exist for future generations to marvel at. Um, last but not least, we always look up the IUCN red list. Uh, they have it for a plant and it's critically endangered. Was it Scotland? Australia. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just have Scotland on the brain, yeah. I guess. But yeah, they're critically endangered. That's really heartbreaking. I guess I didn't expect us to come across a plant that was endangered this month. Yeah, me neither. I just didn't even think about it until I realized all of the wetland issues. And I was like, oh, I wonder if there's not, I didn't even know IUCN did plants. Right. But it, it totally makes sense. They're part of our ecosystem. We just cover more animals here. Yeah, exactly. But that makes me even more sad. The water wheel plant. The wa- I love it, though. They're vicious. It's super interesting. And they love nuclear waste. Good on them. <laughs> Thanks so much for diving in with us today. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids! Mm-hmm.